This podcast is produced by Visionary Studios. Hey everyone, I'm Mitchell Rail. And I'm Wade Blossom. And welcome back to Let's Unpack That. So today we are joined by William Ferrante. Long story short, um, we filmed this episode like a few months ago. And I don't know what happened, but there was a metronome, like a... The whole time. <laughs> and I really couldn't explain it. I can I tried to edit it out and it was almost gone, but I just couldn't I, I couldn't post that. So William was kind enough to do this again. <laughs> I am uh, I, I'm happy to be here again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well thank you. Glad to have you here. So for anyone who maybe doesn't know who you are, isn't familiar with who you are, give everyone a little bit of background on who you are and what you do. Thanks for having me on again. Um, I'm William. I am living in New York City and I am a dentist. Some of you may know me from social media, more specifically on Twitter where I exist as a D-list internet figurehead <laughs> if you could call it that celebrity 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 Ooh, let's let's not get too crazy there influencer i wish i was an influencer don't diminish yourself too much i actually have a friend who i believe a year or so ago them and their boyfriend broke up over your thirst traps <laughs> uh, <laughs> so basically celebrity <laughs> I don't think I've told you that before yet. Oh my god. Well, I truly hope that there were more deep-seated issues at hand, and it was not just me posting a salacious or shirtless picture on the internet. They were just that good, William, that like, you know, <laughs> always, always in their head. I, I live rent-free in many people's heads, it would uh, appear. <laughs> okay, you live in New York City. Do you want to tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what it was like yeah, so, growing up as a gay Well, individual. so I grew up um, in a small town about three hours north of New York City. I was never a stranger to New York. Um, and then when I moved here to start dental school in 2017, I liked it so much that I have decided to make it my home for the foreseeable future. I mean, people think of New York as this whole, like, everything is urban, there's, you know, cities, but once you get out of, you know, New York City, it's where I'm from, it was uh, just, now I don't even think I could call it, like, a suburb, it was just a very small town. More people lived in my apartment complex in my first, like, two years living in New York than in the town that I grew up in, oh, so to kind of give you the uh, scale of that. Yeah. What was it like? you know, having that change in environment and being around so many other people. The transition wasn't difficult. I mean, at first I was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm in a rush to do a million and one things all at once. I need to do everything the city has to offer. I need to see all the sites. I need to eat at all the restaurants. Um, but as far as kind of like transitioning into the city, I personally didn't think it was, you know, too difficult for me. Um, I mean, I had friends from college that already lived in New York. I had friends that I met in school. So for me, it was kind of just like a smooth transition into all of it. Love that. Love that. Was there a big gay community in your hometown? No. <laughs> but I do remember um, back in, at the end of uh, high school, my senior year, when I worked as a lifeguard, I had two coworkers that did like an amateur drag night at the only gay bar in town. <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, everything else was very tragic. 
<laughs> was it supported there or was it just something that you don't talk about? It, definitely the latter. I don't think it's not like upstate New York. It's, I mean, at the time too, like, you know, looking back 10, 15 years ago, it's not anything that people really talked about. And it was kind of like a, no, this isn't okay. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, once you're in New York, it's the city. It's a totally different world where people are like, all right, whatever. Like, I don't really care what you're doing, you know? So moving into New York, what was it like being exposed to that greater gay community and how did you kind of enter into it? Well, so to start, fortunately for me, I had um, one of my classmates who kind of introduced me into a little taste of what that world was like. Kind of like looking back on it, I didn't really find myself associating with that whole like scene, for lack of a better way of describing it until a couple of years of living in the city. Like my first year of New York is kind of just like, you know, getting adjusted, you know, figuring my life out with school. My second year in the city, I was in a relationship. Um, and then once that ended, it was kind of just like, okay, time to start over. I need to, you know, try to discover more of, you know, that scene, kind of branch out, meet new people. I mean, you just said you were in relationships, and I know that I've had some friends who live in in New York, and they've said that it's really, really hard to find anybody who really wants anything serious in the city. It's very much so. If you're young, it's, it's more so just hooking up or just going on casual dates, but it's really hard to find a more committed relationship. Um, do you want to kind of describe for people who don't live in the city, what the experience is like as a gay individual there? I don't think it's a New York City exclusive problem. I think it's like, you know, the age that we're all at where, you know, people are, you know, looking for something serious, but especially living in a city, it's like you're kind of chasing after the next best thing. There are countless times that I've gone on dates with people and I'm guilty of it too. Where it's like, eh, like, I like this about you, but I don't know if I, you know, there are too many other things that I'm just like, eh, like, I feel like I could do better here and there. But I'd say like, you know, for the most part, a lot of the people that I have gone on, you know, the casual dates with or have dated or even a lot of friends that I've made have been from the apps, uh, TM. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone's always like, oh, I'm deleting the apps, deleting the apps. But then a couple months go by and you'll be like, OK, like I need to branch out, meet new people. But I think it's like, you know, an easy way to at least interact with people on some sort of superficial level, whether you, you know, make something of it or not. It varies from person to person. I guess another thing about gay communities in bigger cities is I think at times they can be very inclusionary and very, very clicky and exclusive. As someone who entered into the city, did you find yourself experiencing that exclusion or was it more of a welcoming environment for you? So from my own, you know, personal experience, um, again, I can only speak for myself. I know that I represent a very small sliver of um, experiences, but for me, the events and I guess social activities that I have sought out, I've never personally felt excluded from. But again, that's only my own experience. I know that no matter where you go in the city, as far as, you know, like queer nightlife is concerned, there is there are extreme amounts of, you know, clickiness. There's, you know, constant discrimination against, you know, people on a very superficial level. I mean, we see all these articles now coming out about these, you know, nightlife spaces that discriminate against people's ethnicity, the way they express their gender. Being a white male, I've never experienced that, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen because I've witnessed it happen countless times. Mm -hmm. So that is something that the community at large needs to better advocate for. And, you know, that's myself included. And you said events. 
What kind of events? You know, people that are able to afford going to Fire Island for the summer, Provincetown, you know, you have to have a lot of money for those things. So it, you know, cuts out people who don't have a couple thousand dollars lying around to just drop at a moment's notice to go out to these places or, you know, different nightlife venues where, you know, the scene is so curated to a certain demographic where, you know, if you don't fit the mold, they're not going to, you know, let you in or they make you pay some exorbitant cover fee to get in. So there was recently the articles that came out about Michael Cohen and his actions in the scene um, and his behaviors. We were talking before, and I don't know if Wade wants me to say this, but he had, we were looking and like he had even talked to Wade before yeah. um, and tried to fly him out for the weekend. So it's it's a very, obviously, far-reaching behavior. Do you kind of want to give people a rundown on what this person and similar people do in this space? You know, at the time, I was just getting over a breakup. I was, you know, kind of looking to get more into, you know, the scene. I wanted to meet new people. One of the good things about coming out of that relationship is that I developed a lot more confidence in myself and I was ready to just kind of like, you know, put myself out there not for anything like serious, but just kind of like just to go out and, you know, enjoy life. And he had been in my DMs, you know, telling me to go to this one club that he hosted a, you know, party at every week on Saturdays. Um, and, you know, you get there and it's, you know, everyone, you know, looks the same, dresses the same, um, you know, they play like the good pop music that everyone is dancing around to. It's very much like you cross all of your T's and dot all of your I's. Like it was very just, you know, curated to a certain demographic. And you almost felt like um, a sense of like you're very like it was a very exclusive scene where you kind of felt like, oh, like I'm special to go to these events. Um, and I'd also known that he would, you know, invite certain people out to a party in the Hamptons at the end of the summer. And I was kind of like, wow, like, I want to do this. I want to fit in. Kind of wanted to, like, find a community. And I think that at the time, for me, I was just, you know, so caught up in trying to discover myself that, you know, you kind of lose sight of the bigger picture where while these events, you know, are fun, it's kind of like you're not getting a... It's not truly an accurate, accurate representation of the community. And, you know, I can't just, you know, be around the same demographic of people day in and day out. But, you know, beyond that, I mean, there's all the other allegations, all the sexual assault that would happen at these venues about how you would bring people back or some of the different um, financial backers of these venues would fly these boys across, you know, the country for X, Y, and Z. I mean, I was invited to go back to his apartment one night with a few other people. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this seems fun, like a little after party. Um, I mean, nothing happened at it. We just kind of like sat around and ate pizza. But it, it just kind of like, once I left the club and kind of got back to like, you know, whosoever apartment it was, it just felt very... Like, there was um, something more sinister with, like, some of the other friends I had met, you know, outside of that whole scene. Um, when I kind of got, like, more close with them, I started, you know, backing out a little bit. And, you know, it kind of coincided with the time that, like, COVID hit. And then when the bars, you know, in New York started to reopen, there was a different venue that he launched, Motel 23. And, you know, again, it was the whole same very curated scene. Um, but, you know, at least on a superficial level, again, I noticed it was slightly more diverse. But again, you know, it was still a facade that he was putting up, like a whole front where it's like, OK, 
we'll have X number of people come in to make it seem like, okay, we're allowing more of a, a diverse crowd in. But, you know, again, if you're not in shape, if you're, you know, not a guy, if you, you know, your gender identity is not, is fluid or doesn't meet the standard, you know, you're not welcome in. But, you know, if you're coming with someone else who does fit the mold, you know, they can come in, but you can't, you know, it's, Again, like, you know, these events make you feel like you're a part of a crowd. And, you know, at the time, it was something that I was looking for. But, you know, again, with the bigger picture, it's not, you know, you look back and you're just like, how was I so caught up in this? I think it's so easy to, like, when you're being included in something, you you're feel, like, so, like, excited about it. Like, it's easy to be caught up in the whirlwind of it. Well, for you, you kind of did, you did mention that you did kind of feel that sinisterness and that like bad energy. Um, mm-hmm. When you find yourself in those situations, how did you navigate that? Did you just remove yourself? I mean, the only time that I ever kind of like felt that that cringiness was when I was at his apartment, and I was like, he, there was no attempt by him to make a move on like any of like the four of us that were there with him and he kind of just like kicked us out at like four in the morning i'm like okay i need to like go home anyway yeah. <laughs> it's so late but i mean like you know you'd be like dancing around at the club and then he or any one of the other you know financial backers that he had you know would come around kind of like brush up against you um you know they would like grab my arms and be like oh you've been working out or you know like oh, like, this is my dentist. He's going to, like, fix all of our teeth, X, Y, and Z. You know, like, little things to kind of, like, hype you up. But then there's also those, like, darker undertones to them. Yeah. Where it's, like, it's very creepy and patronizing. I would try to distance myself from that aspect as much as I could. But it was kind of inevitable that, you know, someone would be making a comment or someone would be, you know, grabbing you. And, you know, that's not okay in the slightest yeah it's just so un- like icky mm-hmm. <laughs> and uncomfortable to think about like someone who's just such a anyone not even this person but just people who act that way mm-hmm. and use their position of power or money or whatever it may be to take advantage of younger individuals who may be naive or are looking for that place i think that's that's really unfortunate i mean from your point of view how do you think the gay community can help individuals who may be those those victims of those those more those men who are taking advantage of them no i think that's something that we can do as you know a community is kind of just you know again get rid of that mentality that you know we have to be doing x y and z we have to be at these events we have to be wearing these brands we have to be you know doing all these things and you know just supporting more venues or event spaces that cater to you know everyone regardless of your identity Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um because like while i've always had fun at you know these parties that were had i think that some of my favorite nights have been you know just out on you know a random bar on you know ninth avenue in the city versus some you know exclusive space where you know you're having a good time and everyone just kind of has a whole collective sense of togetherness versus you know you're dancing around uh you know motel 23 and you know you're getting like glares from you know some person with you know fifty thousand followers on some platform so yeah i i 
think that those spaces are often just like those white, <laughs> those white muscle gaze or like you have to, it's yeah. such a, as, you, as, you, as you said, like a lot of those places, like you're checking that checklist. Oh, you're this check, 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 you're in. Or if you don't hit those boxes and that criteria, then like you're not welcomed into those spaces. And I think that that's something that needs to change. And I think to kind of transition a little bit into gay Twitter, which you obviously have a little, a little presence on in like the past year, I've kind of had been like a fly on the wall. I feel like in, in that space. And it's been really interesting from like an outsider's point of view to see how it works and like it's very entertaining and fun to a degree but I think there's also a lot of that that clickiness and exclusion as well what favoritism favoritism yeah Mm -hmm. for sure with a lot of the people especially like white fit gays who have their followings they seem to just not not be able to like accept or realize the privilege that they have and they just choose to use it to like further reinforce those standards and exclusion that is like in the community that I think needs to change. I mean, well, not to be like oh, you you're in that position, but like you you are like in that category of people where like you're a white gay who's fit and you have a following on Twitter. From your perspective, do you think that there's things that the community can do to be more accepting and welcoming to others. I think that on an individual level, like, you know, you see these fit people and maybe like, you know, you see like one person, you're just like, oh, like, why don't I look like that? You know, I want to, you know, work out so I can look like this. I mean, like I work out, you know, I, it, it's great stress relief and, you know, I like seeing results. Like, let's not. Yeah get that <laughs> twisted there's no shame in, so- in showing a thirst trap at all yeah no like i mean like i'm i like you know if you want to post a thirst trap then you know yeah do it live your best life like be do proud it. of the body that you've worked for like i think that like on when you see like groups of those people together like whether you know you like it or, i mean whether you know we want to say it or not i mean you know you'll see comments like oh like this just hit my like my body dysmorphia is back like you see all these people that have like a 12 pack and they're like ripped and you're just like, and the, you know, they're renting a house in Palm Springs. So you're, they're like, wow, like they have money, they're fit. Like mm-hmm. that's what I want to be again, like individually, like if you want to, you know, do all those things, that's fine. But then I think that we get caught up in the whole group mentality where it's like, you see all these people together and it's like, Ew, like, you know, are they only friends with people that look and act like them? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like we don't, you know, with that one picture that went around last yeah. week. Yeah. I mean, like, hey, like, I participated in, like, dragging them. I was like, oh, this smells like Lolabo in a blueberry ice puff bar, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, like, the full story behind these pictures, so... Yeah. But it also makes you wonder, like, okay, do these people only hang around with people that look like them? But then again, at the same time, it's like, do you really want to be friends with, you know, a group of people that look like this? I mean, yeah. I don't... I personally don't have, like, close friends that are, you know, those, you know, shredded yeah. fitness people that gallivant across the world. Um, I'm happy with, you know, the people that I surround myself with. And I yeah. think that's, at the end of the day, what's more important to me. But why is there a lack of diversity in these crowds? You know, you can take a random sampling of, you know, gay people wherever you go, and it will be more diverse than, like, 
12 muscle queens in a house, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like our, I think, yeah, those people have like a lot of ego issues mm -hmm. too. I really don't, I really don't get it myself. Um, I think they just want to stare at themselves because these people tend to look a lot alike. Yeah. And it, I think it would just boost their confidence if yeah. they literally just had friends that looked like them. And then you, the whole friend groups getting all these compliments like, oh, you guys are so beautiful, all that. And it just, it boosts their ego. I think that's yeah. a real... Definitely reason. big egos. But I, mm -hmm. I will say to those, from my interactions with you, Will, I feel like you, and like if... Because I feel like before, like, we filmed that first episode, like, I didn't really... It was hard to, like, tell what you were actually like based on your, like, online persona, but I feel like you are, like, a very, like, nice, funny guy, and, like, your little friend group on Twitter, too, is also nice. Like, the whole joke of, like, you being dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Jack takes the cake for truly one of the most hilarious people, both online and offline, that I have ever met. Just his, like quick ability to just think of the most absurd or just snarky or hilarious remarks like that is <laughs> I just want to have one tenth of whatever is going on in his brain I love it I love the energy and I think like that type of dynamic in Twitter and like having that fun conversation and like making fun of the conversations on the platform is like such like the best way of mm -hmm. using it it's just as someone who has been on the outside of things myself at times, I think that the include extreme like exclusionary and like rudeness towards others that aren't in your group that I see from a lot of people on the platform that are like those pretty people is like really disappointing. And like there's mm -hmm. people that like I was considering having on the podcast and then I see them like doing that and I'm like, no, like I don't I don't need you on here. Like if you're gonna be a mean person, yeah. like I don't need you in my in my in my space. I think that, you know, for me, for all of us as like white males, we still have a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think, I know we still have significant privilege yeah. um, compared to other people. You know, at the end of the day, it's like our responsibility to change the dynamic, shift the conversation to more of an inclusionary environment. Even in the bigger picture, you see a lot of people like within the community with internalized homophobia that are, you know, making remarks. You know, you see like the whole gay Republicans, which is like a whole other conversation that <laughs> could be talked about. It's like, why do you feel the need to tear down other people in the same community as you? Because they don't fit the mold of what you want them to be. You know, it's, exactly. it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the gay Republicans really just don't, they don't make sense to me. I don't know why you would decide to vote for a party who's, unless they've changed it to my understanding, their platform is literally against gay marriage. So, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, at least when, yeah, when Trump was running, it was in there, in their, like, PDF of like, we are against gay marriage. Like I literally said that in their, in their thing. So it's like, I don't know how that can be like your life. I don't get it. Um, I would love to have a gay Republican on at some point and like really pick their brain. Um, <laughs> please, please no. I know who you're thinking. Of. <laughs> but I think definitely you're right, William. I think, I think there's a responsibility to create a place for diverse conversations and in, in a place where everyone can feel welcomed. Um, and I think, again, yeah, other people's actions, that doesn't matter to me, but I think it, other people's actions can play a say in like who I choose to have in my life and who I choose to be around because I want to surround myself with like-minded, like welcoming people who aren't going to be douchebags to other people just because they don't have a six-pack and you know, don't look just like them. Exactly. So to do a little, a little topic shift here, you 
love yourself a pop girly. I mean, who doesn't love mm-hmm. a pop girly? Everyone has their faves. I mm. feel like we all have our faves that we, we love. But yours, as you can see in the background there, is, is Kylie. How do you say her last name? Is it Monica? Minogue. Kylie Minogue. I never knew that's how you said her last name. But you love her. You met her recently. Do you want to give the gays who maybe have not been exposed to her yet or do not you do not fully love her as much as you do why you love her and how you got into her whether you like know her or not you've heard her music i mean but if it's not her then it would be lana del rey my mother um (laughs) (laughs) no when i met kylie yeah she was um she's like launching her her wine line in the u.s (laughs) And uh, she had like um, an event where if you go to the wine store, you buy a bottle and you like come back in the afternoon for like a meet and greet and like a photo op. So my friends and I lined up like before the shop opened up, we were like the first 10 people to get there. We got our stuff and then we're like, okay, like we're going to come back in line at like three o'clock because she shows up at five. Um, So we're carrying on with the rest of our day. And then at like 1.30, I was like doing errands by the liquor store and like the line was down the block and I was like, oh my God, people are like waiting all day for her. So I was like, hey, we got to reassemble the troops right now. Like, let's, you know, (laughs) kick it into gear. We waited two and a half hours to get our photo ops and our merch signed. She's like super sweet. And, you know, she has, she commends this whole like big presence with her shows or concerts or music videos, but she's like five feet tall. She's like this... (laughs) tiny thing I'm like towering over her um and I was just like oh my god I I do love um I don't want to say like an underdog but you know she does not have a presence in the United States so I'm out here supporting our um Australian slash British icons Mm -hmm. as you should I'm just uh trying to uh do my duty Mm-hmm. You're gonna spread the good you're word. gonna give them a, a really big presence in the U.S. I, I'm I'm really trying to be her uh, PR and marketing team. Well, she better hire you. I mean, that can be your side. Game. I know, Kylie. If you happen to somehow oddly be listening, um, William is is offering up his services. Yeah, reach out, reach out to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if Kylie needs to get in contact with you, or if anybody wants to follow you, Will, um, how can they how can they find you on social media? If you are so compelled to join in the list of people following me on Twitter. It is at WilliamFur94. Well, thank you so much, Will. You guys can follow us on Instagram at UnpackTHT and on TikTok at UnpackThatPod. Thank you so much, Wade. Thank you, Will. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.